The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Why we must keep in step with the Spirit. This is based on Galatians 5, 22 through 25. Let me read the text to you, first of all. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. That statement is, is kind of a, uh, uh, is, to, is to get our attention. There, there, is no, there is nothing that the Spirit produces in us that there is a law against. That is God's, it fits within, what, what the Spirit produces in us is, is not against God's regulations for his people. And then in verse 24, he says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. That's a word, passions is one of the words that's connected to the flesh. In fact, there, there's kind of an order we're, we're given in, in the description of how the flesh manifests itself in us. Is that It begins with passions, and that word passions, pathema in the Greek, is a, which means moods, the moods of the flesh. And a mood is that, that thing that you sink into when you feel like you're needy and you can't get what you need. And that you're just, you, you feel like there, there's gotta, something's got to be done. And that moodiness and the moods of the flesh, and then he says, and the desires are the lusts of the flesh. So the Spirit begins producing in us by uh, the moods of the flesh. We begin to feel so needy, like we're not getting all the things that we need. And then... The lusts of the flesh then provide the answer to that. They, they claim that the, what the flesh does, it convinces us that if I just had this, if I just could experience this, then it would solve this problem I have. And then in verse 25, and this really is the theme, and it's the basis of this question, uh, Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, he's talking about experiencing eternal life or the regeneration, the new birth, if we live, if we come to live by the Spirit, we come to life by the Spirit through regeneration, he says, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, Paul is going to say in this same manner, he says that if you, if you walk in the Spirit, you will absolutely not fulfill the strong desires of the flesh if you're walking by the Spirit. And the, the reason is, is because of what the Spirit produces in us. Um, there's the telos of this particular section of, and all I mean by telos is the purpose, is found in verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Christ has set us free for freedom. And this is one of the things he targets. He says, Christ has received, has set us free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm in this freedom. Don't sell out. Don't, don't, uh, uh, be be uh, content with anything less than freedom. The com- there's a commandment about legalism in this section too, which we don't see. It's in verses 1 through 12. You've been severed from Christ. That is, they turned from Christ to the law as the basis of their salvation. He says, you have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. There's a popular song out now called uh, uh, Grace Got You. And <laughs> And it's a, it's a really fascinating song, but it's all about how what grace does when we actually experience grace in the inner life, we come to understand that we have a relationship with God through grace. It produces all kinds of changes in the way that we perceive reality. 
Um, and then there's a commandment about license in verses 13 through 15. He says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement. Now, the one word is talking about this one expression. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is what the Holy Spirit produces in the hearts of those who are responding and walking by the Spirit. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour, this is, this is a humorous statement. If you bite and devour one another, take care, watch out, that you are not consumed by one another. In other words, you can destroy each other in a real sense when there's this, this kind of uh, atmosphere in relationships. And so this, the reason we must keep in step with the Spirit is that's the only way we can live in such a way that reflects the reality of who Christ is and what his great desire is for his people. Um, the commandment about spirit walking, walking in the spirit or spirit walking, just means that you take each step as the spirit directs you. Uh, this is it's contrasted with living under the law, because living under the law will always bring frustration. We're told that in verses 16 through 18. It's a frustrating thing to live under the law. And the reason is, is the law is, is God's righteousness. It's the character of Jesus Christ uh, before our eyes, and we're told to live like this. Uh, and giving into the flesh will always bring corruption, he says in verses 19 through 21. Walking by the Spirit will always bring Christ-likeness. We are told that if we walk by the Spirit, we will absolutely not. It's a double negative in the Greek, and that isn't a positive. It means that you shall absolutely not fulfill the desires of the flesh if you walk in the Spirit. Because only the Spirit can make you like Christ. That's what we're told in verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is, is a picture of Christ's character. This is what Jesus Christ is like. This is a picture of his character. Because only the Spirit can make you live like Christ, which, which would be the same thing as if the law could be fulfilled perfectly. Christ's righteousness. Because only the Spirit can actualize your freedom in Christ. And so he says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, its moods and desires. What he means by that, they've cut themselves off from the flesh, those who are in Christ, who belong to Christ. So the freedom from the old life, uh, it comes only through Christ's ownership. The only way a person could live a life that truly kept the law would be if he was walking in the Spirit. And that this, this points us to the fact that Christ owns us and he has provided us with the Spirit. It's interesting in the history of doctrine throughout the, the whole course of the life of the church, there's been different views about the Holy Spirit's relationship with believers. One of the things we know for certain, because it says it very specifically in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 10, it says that every believer has the Holy Spirit because we couldn't live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. And he has given each one of us a spiritual gift that we might serve one another. And so we love our neighbor as ourselves. We're able to serve people, and he empowers us to do that through the Holy Spirit. So freedom from the old life came about through, through Christ's ownership of us and his purchasing us by his own blood. The fruit of the Spirit is described for us here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, he just has talked about the, the lusts of the flesh, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is a picture of Jesus Christ. That's exactly the kind of character that he has. Uh, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's that's kind of uh, in our face, so to speak, because he's telling us there there is nothing in, in that we if we ever respond to the Spirit and live as He is directing us, we will never be, it will never be breaking of the God's law. Against such there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When he says crucified, he means we have cut them cut the flesh off as as the one who wants to order our life. Instead, we walk in the Spirit, and we walk with responsibility to the Lord Jesus Christ because he purchased us with his own blood. Described negatively, the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest is walking in the Spirit. It's an equanimity of spirit that is neither elated nor cast down. And that's, we could see that in Jesus. Jesus, who was neither depressed by the rejection of his service when you read the gospel accounts, you see him being rejected by so many leaders in Israel, for example. He was never depressed by that. But he also was not elated by the plot, the plaudits of the, of the uh, multitudes that would have crowned him. For he, he, made, he was meek and humble in heart. And so he didn't, he didn't respond to those kind of things. He exercised what, what is described here as self-control. Self-control is the responsibility that attaches to a creature with a will or power to choose his own course. God has created us with a will, and we have, and we have both desires and decisions that we make. Uh, in Acts 24-25, it tells us that righteousness is the claims of God upon man. This is what righteousness is. That's what the law is. It's it's, it, but what the law shows, it shows that we have a heart that has a problem. We, the reason we cannot fulfill the law is because we need salvation from our sin. And this is what, what Paul came to understand, and this is why he hates the fact that these, these Galatians were turning to the law as the basis of their salvation, rather than turning to Christ, who is the Savior, and then living out their life, walking in the Spirit. The responsibility of man to respond to those claims, that is, the, the claims of Christ on our life, um, it, it's inevitable because it's, there's an inevitable day of account. We're going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. When God shall call upon man to answer for his failure to respond to the divine claims. In Second Peter chapter 1.6, it says, he talks about self-control, following knowledge as though to suggest that what the Christian learns he is responsible to put into practice. That's a strange idea, isn't it? That God actually holds us responsible uh, to, to respond to what we have heard, what we have understand as truth. And this is what happened to us. We received the gospel. We were compelled to believe it. We believed it was true. We put our faith in it, and we were saved by it. Now he wants us to live that kind of life, that we have enough confidence in him that whatever he declares— we know is true. We, we count it to be true. There's three key words in the book of Romans chapter 6 that it says we have to practice if we're going to experience real spiritual life. And those three words, are, they're actually imperatives or commandments. The three words are know, 
The second word is consider or count it, reckon it to be true. And then third, to present ourselves to God as a servant. So the operation of the Spirit in the believer demands the cooperation of the believer himself. Only in him who submits to be led by the Spirit can the fruit of the Spirit be born. So a person who says he's a Christian but has no fruit of the Spirit is not responding to the Holy Spirit. He's not walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is a picture of living our lives in such a way that we simply follow what becomes clear to us about how we ought to walk because that's how the Spirit walks. Uh, and it's, it's, this, this idea has the idea we, we take every step exactly the same. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 7 and chapter 9, it's, this idea is used figuratively of athletes who, in preparing themselves for the games, would exercise a rigid self-restraint for the sake of the prize offered, denying the natural appetites, lest by self-indulgence they should lose it. It's kind of like the, there's a book, Against the Night, written by Chuck Colson, and uh, he talks about this very thing, that we have to live a disciplined life because God wants to use us in this world, in this fallen world. We're going to be the mouthpiece for God to those. If we are, if we are humbled, if we humble ourselves before him, he's going to use us to be spokesmen for him and the gospel. We're told that no one can be saved if they don't hear Christ. They can't believe Christ if they don't hear him. And it doesn't say hear about him. It says hear him. And the, the funny thing is the way that we bring his voice to people is by proclaiming the truth of the gospel, and they hear Christ in it, and they believe. It's a supernatural thing. Now, only the Holy Spirit is, can enable us to live like Christ. We know that. And, when, and that's why he says, against such things, there is no law. That's an understatement. It's used to, for rhetorical effect. The law, as Paul has said, was given to restrain evil tendencies natural to man in his fallen estate. We, are, we were born fallen. We were born in the, in the bondage of sin, but God delivered us through faith in Christ. So in, ex, in, in experience, the law finds itself not merely ineffective, it actually provokes those tendencies to greater activity. That's why the law can't save us. We have to turn to Christ. Now, it's not to say the law is wrong. It is our heart is wrong. These qualities do not, uh, do not need to be restrained, the, the qualities that the Holy Spirit produces. So there's no law oppose, opposing them. There may also be a sense, however, in which Paul is suggesting that the law cannot be against such as live in this manner because of the very fact that by being so led, they are in principle fulfilling all the law requires. The fulfillment of the law comes only through the person who's walking in the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, uh, the chapter begins this way. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, the word for that introduces that last clause, is a, it's, it's like a, a purpose clause. It's telling you why it's true that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And what he means by that is the, the, the law of the spirit of life is a law that, that is, it's a principle, it's a power that's working through the spirit. And it's what was guiding Jesus in his earthly ministry. In Galatians 5.23, it tells us that the fruit of the spirit being gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. 
because the Spirit is producing exactly what we need and what God loves. So only the Spirit can actualize freedom in Christ. This is what what Paul is saying here. I want you to walk in freedom. Christ has purchased your freedom. Now stay in it. Stay in this freedom. Don't get yourself enslaved to something else. Only the Spirit can enable us to live like Christ. We're told that in verse 23, the last part of that. Against such there is no law. It's an understatement used for the rhetorical effect, as I said. The law, as Paul has said, was given to restrain evil tendencies natural to man in his fallen estate. Yet in experience, law finds itself not merely ineffective, it actually provokes those tendencies to greater activity. Um, But these qualities do not need to be restrained, hence no law opposes them. There may also be a sense, however, in which Paul is suggesting that the law cannot be against such as live in this manner because of the very fact that by being so led, that is being led by the Spirit, they are in principle fulfilling all the law requires. And only in the Spirit can you actualize our freedom in Christ. That's the only way we can experience our freedom in Christ is walking by the Spirit. And this is what he says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. What he means by that is if we have come to life, we have come to have eternal life so that we can know God, then we ought to also walk by the Spirit if we live by the Spirit. He's made us alive, and now we ought to walk in the Spirit, in, the, in His power. The, only the Spirit can enable us to live like Christ. That's what we're told in t- verse 23. Against such there is no law, an understatement, but, it's, but it's, it's very real. And then only the Spirit can actualize our freedom in Christ, verses 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions or its moods and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Then if we have come alive, we have come to have a life in Christ by the Spirit, then we should also walk in the Spirit, which means we're careful to take every step as He has directed us. And uh, this is what we, we understand, that, that this, this truth, that we have been given life through Jesus Christ. When He says that uh, the reason there's no, there's, there is no condemnation in Christ, He means that every person who has put their faith in Christ will never be condemned again. And the reason is, is because the law of the spirit of life, which is the law produced by the, the it's a law like the law of gravity. It's a power at work. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. And what he is saying is, the reason there's no, there's no uh, condemnation to those in Christ Jesus is, first of all, because Christ lived a perfect life, and he lived in the power of the spirit. He was led by the spirit. And he did that to be our substitute, to go to the cross and purchase salvation for us. But it is also only the Spirit that can actualize our freedom in Christ, because he wants us to live free in Christ. And this is, this is something that only the Holy Spirit can do. So this is why we must walk in the Spirit. We will never make any kind of progress in the Christian life, in growing more like Christ. We'll never make any progress apart from the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit, how he leads and guides us, it is something that we kind of get our back up and we want to show that we are individual people. We can make our own decisions. Well, the, the problem is, is that the Spirit is never, ever uh, going to, to uh, tempt you to, to break the law, to break God's law, or to do that which God is not pleased with. He instead energizes, empowers, and leads you in a life 
of the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, that perfectly pleases the living God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is how he has saved us. And what Paul wants these people to know who have turned to the law as the basis of their salvation, which cannot work because they can't keep the law, and he wants them to realize that, no, Jesus Christ has paid in such a way that all of your sin is forgiven and there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So not only does the whole, did the Holy Spirit produce this in Jesus, but he produces it in us as we live our lives in this world. If we walk in the Spirit, this is, this is actually what it says. It says, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall absolutely not fulfill the law of sin. You will not sin. You won't continue in sin if you walk in the Spirit. And the reason is, is because the Holy Spirit will always influence us to not only keep the law, but to manifest the glory of Jesus Christ in our daily life. And that's why he tells us we must walk by the Spirit to experience the freedom that Jesus purchased for us. And so this is why we should do that. Let me pray for us that we'll do this very thing. Our Father, we thank you so much for your grace and for your kindness. We thank you that you've, we have been captivated by grace. We've been brought into the family of God. We've been given a perfect forgiveness and a perfect standing before you. We thank you that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we pray, Father, that you would motivate us to share this good news with people all around us who desperately need to hear not just how they can escape a, a virus, but how they can live forever in the presence of the living God and experience free, real freedom, total freedom uh, in the power of the Spirit. We thank you for this message. We pray that it would sink deeply into our hearts and we too would look to Christ as the only basis of our salvation and to the Holy Spirit as the only one who can empower us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respect. We pray for that, ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. To this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.